HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Essex Market. Essex Market is New York City's most historic public market, proudly located on Manhattan's Lower East Side. Find the freshest produce, meat, fish, and specialty foods from over 30 unique vendors. Learn more about the market's family of small neighborhood businesses at EssexMarket.nyc. Hi, and welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm your host, Linda Palaccio, on this journey through culinary history. And today, as we sit here and record this episode of A Taste of the Past, we're still in the midst of the second major wave of the coronavirus pandemic. A vaccine is on its way, but people are understandably getting restless and want to gather with friends and family, especially with the holiday season on the horizon. And we're getting the itch to travel again. Now, believe it or not, there's been somewhat of an upside to all this stay-at-home and quarantining that we've been under for the past many months, and that is the reversal of some of the destructive environmental effects of too many cars, too much human impact on certain areas, but still, the hospitality industry and tourism has been ravaged. Now, as we look forward to returning to some sort of normalcy in the months ahead, maybe there's a way for a tourism reset. Reset seems to to be one of those buzzwords that are supposed to elicit positive reactions, right? Well, think about it. I'm sure that you've all experienced travel to some popular area, whether it's local or abroad, and the crowds were practically intolerable. And the mess left behind certainly made an unappealing sight for sightseeing. But, you know, if you get outside the cities, there are places to be discovered and cultures to learn. In fact, some of these cities, unfortunately, have uh, been somewhat abandoned. Um, And we can maybe do some good. Maybe we can help revive the economy of these places and we can help preserve some of the culture. Well, there have been a couple of of interesting articles about that recently, and and a term has been pinned to it called regenerative tourism. And that is kind of giving back, if you will, giving back to the area that we're visiting. But as has been mentioned, it does require an attitudinal shift. And that shift would mean 
that fewer groups, smaller groups, fewer people, um, places maybe outside, off the beaten path, and one tour guide who can help set the tone and knows a lot about that is the my friend and the you know, wonderful writer, blogger, and and travel uh, leader Elizabeth Minkiwi. Elizabeth has been hosting and guiding small groups, primarily in Rome for many years, and now in areas a little further afield in in Italy. And this, we hope, is something that I think people are going to, well, I, th- I know they're flocking to it because some of her future dates are already sold out. So listen carefully, people, and plan carefully. Elizabeth has written about food, style, and culture from Italy. She's been living in Italy for over 25 years. And her website, elizabethminkili.com, um, and her it's her blog, and it has won awards for the best culinary coverage and travel coverage. And she's the author of many books, including Eating Rome, Eating My Way Through Italy, and her most recent, the beautiful book, The Italian Table. She's also the founder of the Eat Italy apps and won many awards for all of her books and all her apps. And I am so happy that she joins us today from Rome, yes, via our computer setup here and our remote recording, but still in all, wonderful to have you, Elizabeth. Thank you. I I really wish I could be in the studio. I miss New York. I know. I know. It's so much fun when we sit together with that um, wild boar over our heads in our (laughs) Heritage Radio (laughs) Network studio. Thank you so much for having me, even if it's virtual. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, it was kind of a spur of the moment when I was reading your most recent newsletter, and you talked a lot about the... Um, well, one article in particular, a CNN tourism travel article about, you know, kind of these hotels that are popping up and and traveling to different places. And then I happened to notice another article that was um, written about this regenerative tourism, trying to, you know, to give back. Um, tell me a little bit about some of these trips that you've arranged to other places and well, about... One, well, one thing in particular I want you to talk about is uh, this one aspect. Somebody, it's been around for a while, but I just happened to to note the name of it, and that's the Albergo Diffuso or the Scattered Hotel. Talk about that. Um, well, you know, the whole idea of regenerative regenerative tourism, you know, which is sort of this weird word um, that doesn't really come easily to anybody these days. You know, we're, we're used to saying sustainable tourism. And, um, right. and then and then at the other end is regular tourism, I guess. And, um, you know, we've always, uh, I, I work with my daughter, Sophie, and we've been trying uh, more and more every year to do tours that have uh, less of an impact on the places that we go. And, and you mentioned that we were, you know, starting to do these tours in Rome. That's where we started. And um, before all this happened, we decided already last year that we were going to stop doing our week in Rome tours just for, for this reason that we felt that we couldn't in good conscience bring more people to the city, which was already sort of over overflowing with tourism. And, and this is sort of the, the idea of regenerative tourism is that you, you leave a place better than it was before you got there. And, you know, sustainable tourism is you don't leave it 
you leave it unchanged. And of course, you know, that's, that's, that's a good thing too. But if you can do something that um, actually sets up an economy, helps an economy grow in a way that's good for the place you're in. And, and it was our feeling, you know, we, we, you know, I love the restaurants that are in Rome and, and, and sadly over the last, you know, few months, uh, many are closing, but there were probably, you know, there may have been too many restaurants here you know, I was saying this and a lot of people might get mad, but, but a lot of, a lot of the economy in the center, in the very center of Rome was servicing a tourism that was not sustainable and certainly not regenerative. And we're seeing right. how frat and we're seeing how fragile that was, that system. It, it wasn't really part of the place. And so we've already started, you know, planning our week in Italy tours to places um, that not only have a culture that is, uh, I hate using the word authentic, but but uh, but of the place and and very well established and and sort of inserting ourselves in there in a way that um, supports them because often these places are in you know out of the way place out of the way locations. We um, you know we go to Puglia, but we go way down in Salento. Um, we're going to Sicily, and and I'm, I'm always surprised that people you know don't go on their own to Sicily, but you know they do. They maybe get off a cruise ship and go to Terramina, but they don't get much further than that. Um, yeah. We go to Parma, and you'd think you know Parma, everybody thinks a lot of people go to Parma, but but there's really barely any hotels in Parma. <laughs> you know, there's right. only a handful. So I mean, it it does lend itself to um, a kind of tourism tourist that you know wants to insert themselves in a a culture that already is well established in in a way that you know we we have a a small footprint and you know by bringing our uh our money there we help support things that might otherwise uh be in danger of dying out and our most recent tour is is to abruzzo and i can guarantee you that most of my clients you know, our guests that come on our tours, I uh, would say 90% of them have never been to Abruzzo. I mean, most Italians have never been to Abruzzo. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of the poorest regions in Italy. It's, it's central. It's, it's uh, a land, uh, it's, um, it's uh, east of Rome, east of Rome, sort of south of Tuscany. And um, it's, it's beautiful. It's just gorgeous. And it has a number of uh, villages. It was very, very damaged in, in the last earthquakes. And um, it has beautiful, beautiful villages. And, and we, the, the, the challenge for us when we're, when we're doing these tours is finding a place to stay <laughs> because you want to sort of balance out, uh, you know, not leaving a footprint with, you know, having, having plumbing. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> so, we, so we look for hotels that are, you know, of a certain level. Um, and that's not always easy to find, especially the places we're going. Luckily for us, there is a, a man... Um, that founded this hotel, Sessanzio, uh, and it's located in a little village and it's an albergo di fuso. And albergo di fuso means um, a scattered hotel. And what he did was he, he this was already an idea that, that existed. He didn't invent this, but he certainly embraced it. And it, the idea is that there's no real one building that's a hotel. The hotel is scattered throughout this small village. And so it leaves very little impact on the town. And it's, um, you really are able to, I mean, other people have done it, but he's very good at sort of capturing the spirit of living as people used to live in these villages. Um, not necessarily from a, um, a material way, but actually he captures the spirit of it in mm-hmm. a way. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps now talking about it because it's really <laughs> a special place. And, um, you know, it, you, you really, 
understand both the sense of community and the sense of isolation that living in a place like this engenders. And then through that, you get this, um, a real insight into the culture, which is, uh, I find absolutely unique. Right. Now, some of these rooms, are they, from what I understand, some of them are actually in the town, but they're maybe in private homes? In no, no, no. The they're actually, he's, he's, he's bought these buildings. So he's mm. gone ahead. The hotel actually owns the buildings. They're in various buildings throughout the town. I mean, the town is not that big. There's only two roads right. in it and, and a church. And um, but there, was, say, is there any town in Abruzzo that's that that's not very <laughs> exactly. small? Right. right. They're yeah. all very small. Right. Yeah, they're mostly small. But this is really like a little village. And um, and so, you know, you'll have a room, you know, in one building and another room in another building. And then the uh the cantina, which is uh, one of the places where you can eat, is in another building. Then the restaurant's in another building. The the um, reception, which is barely there, is in another building. And so you never there's no lobby, for instance. There's no there there's some common areas, but um, you have to sort of make the effort to find them and be in them and um, you know do different things in them. Like one you drink wine in, one you would have a tea in, one you would have dinner in. One they have a kitchen that we that we use for um for cooking classes. And each of the rooms are done in such a way that the materials are um, all local, all handcrafted, and not you know there's no there's no upholstery there. <laughs> there's no soft chairs. There's no even though the rooms are are quite luxurious. Um, there's no, you know, couches, there's, you know, there's a hard bench that's made out of handcrafted wood. There's, you know, the beds are made with mattresses that are still stuffed with, with wool. So they're kind of firm. Um, but now wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not so sure this is sounding good. No, (laughs) no, 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 I know. And, and, and when I say it out loud, but the thing is, it's, um, it's not like going and staying at a Four Seasons hotel, but you know, you go and stay at a Four Seasons hotel and the Four Seasons hotel for a reason, are exactly the same whether you're in Beijing or whether you're in in, in Bel Air. You That's know? right. I mean, the and, joke is what you know. You uh, you can't can't remember which day it is because you're in the same hotel well, with the same exactly furnishings. The same hotel. Right. So this this is so different that it really makes you. It's but it's very luxurious. You know, the sheets are hand woven. The, the blankets are hand woven. Um, you know, it, it's it's a it's a luxury, a, a different kind of luxury. I think. Mm -hmm. And um, it's one that really changes the way you think, which is, I think, these days, to have that kind of experience is luxury in itself. You know, it's, 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 it's not roughing it, it's not camping or anything. But it's, it's really entering into a culture. Yeah. And I think that what you mentioned, you know, entering into a culture is so important. I mean, how many people you know, travel to, uh, well, you know, the, the major sites, you know, Paris, Rome, um, Florence, and they come back and they say, well, yeah, I saw all the, you know, I, I clicked everything off my bucket list and I saw all the, the major sites, but did they ever sample what was really a classic dish or did of food? Did they ever really get a sense of the culture and the people. I mean, most likely not. You know, they are in these huge, many of them go on these big tour. And and I'm not, you know, not um, dissing the experience of of being able to go, but they're on these large tour buses um, in large groups. And 
kind of but, shepherded but, through. But you I know? think so, I think I think we can diss that kind of tourism just a bit. Yeah, well, okay, all right. No, no, just because yeah. it it was so damaging. Yes, you know, yes, because yes. now you see the cities that have depended on this kind of tourism, New York. Look at what's going to happen to New York that depended That's on right. this kind of tourism. Uh, yeah. And I mean, not that there's big buses of people going to New York, but there's big groups of people. And it's a kind of mass tourism that we're seeing now is not sustainable. And it wasn't sustainable. It's not sustainable for Rome, for London, for Paris. And um, we're switching over to a different kind of tourism that, yes, maybe it's going to be more expensive. But the the sort of tourism that was less expensive, I think, was a, sort of a false economy. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, there was the Airbnb experience, which is totally failing now. And mm -hmm. um, and I don't know. I mean, we're, we all profited off of it and we all, you know, enjoyed it. We all were able to take cheap flights places, but at what cost? Right. And so now mm -hmm. I think everybody's trying to figure out the next the next step and um it's not easy to figure it out <laughs> nobody knows right. but i but i think one of the i think we're on the right track to sort of go off the beaten track and and go to these small places and try and give support to um smaller communities in a way that 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 is that matters that's right um and there was this one maybe it was sextantio that the um wasn't there a town that was all but abandoned. I mean, you read about this. I've read about this a lot over the years, where mm -hmm. a lot of these smaller towns have been, you know, quasi abandoned, and people were yeah, yeah, selling Sestancio, homes uh, for next Stefano. to nothing, right? Yeah, well, yeah, San, well Santo it. Stefano, where Sestancio is, was completely abandoned, and um, Matera, where the other Sestancio is, again, was mm -hmm. also abandoned. And now, you know, in the last uh, year or so, we've We've been hearing about these other towns, say in Sicily, that are offering houses for one euro if you come and restore them. And um, it's there's there's endless, endless abandoned towns, and where you know after World War II, a lot of the population left the cities, left these towns to go in either to the cities to find jobs and work, or or left the country, you know, going to Australia or America or Canada. That's right. To find work, yeah. and um, and so now you know people are are looking, they're are buying these places, and, and and it's not cheap to restore these houses, no. um, but but once you do, I mean, and it's also challenging because you know what if you have a, a, an abandoned village, it's not like you know you have to get water there, you have to get electricity there, so <laughs> it it creates a challenge, but 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 if you're willing to sort of invest then i think it's it's all worth it all right but i mean obviously with this has been going as you say this has been established for a while and oh this a lot of this tourism i mean i think it was late 90s that some of it started but certainly by the early 2000s 2007 i think a couple of them had started and were revving up i mean they really revived the economy in these small towns to you know to a certain extent right yep yeah oh absolutely absolutely and um, in a and, and and they've been very much copied, you know, because now you go. Uh, I was in Puglia during the brief, <laughs> like few weeks, and we could travel this summer. And uh, uh, my daughter and I and my husband Domenico, you know, we were driving. We were going to all these small towns, and they're all full of little, um, little, I guess, little hotels where a room was here, a room there, and you you know you'd go and check in, and then you'd. Uh, you know, that somebody would take you down a little alley to your room. And, and it's, it's, you know, not as all encompassing as, as say, Sestancio, but it's a different version of that, which is enables the, the, the town to really survive, I think. 
That's right. And I mean, until this time, prior to, let's say, the 1990s, I mean, the food, the cuisine of these smaller towns was all but unknown. And, and um, people are now rediscovering it. And, you know, now books abound with you know, the dishes of, of Puglia and Sicily. Yeah, but I mean, but Sicily, even so, there's so much to discover, you know, and that's the that's great right. thing, you, you know, that's what Sophie and I have been trying to do, you know, when we could, especially, you know, we were up in Umbria for uh, those four months of the real lockdown and, mm-hmm. and, and then stayed on when things started opening up and we could travel around Umbria and we kept visiting people. And, you know, that for instance, we'd been going to the town of Trevi, uh, you know, we do tours in Umbria too, by the way. And um, we've been going to the town of Trevi, you know, for forever. But there was this dish there in a festival, which we had never known about, which is a specific kind of celery. And they stuff it and they fry it and they bake it and they put cheese on it. And it's this amazing dish that we had never heard about. And it literally was only, you know, 30 kilometers from our house where we've lived for 30 years. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so there, I'm just saying, even though there's books, you know, galore out there about regional Italian cuisine, there's still something in the next town that you've never heard of. So, that's right. you know, there's, there's no lack of places. To, to well, that's and that's what I want to talk about. I want to get to the food and your your cooking and, and food experiences that you give people. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the cuisine of these places. Essex Market is a historic public market located on Manhattan's Lower East Side. The market's 30-plus vendors source thousands of unique products, like locally made Jersey cheese to Nordic smoked specialties. This holiday season, Essex Market is offering five carefully curated gift boxes. Feast on the finest products from their family of small business owners. And that's great news for the team at HRN because we're always searching for unique gifts this time of year. Plus, these gift boxes are available for nationwide shipping now through December 18th. Send a taste of New York City to your loved ones both near and far and get 10% off when you enter promo code HRN10 at checkout. Visit shop.essexmarket.nyc to learn more and to start sending some food-filled holiday cheer today. This episode is supported by Nourish and Flourish. Nourish and Flourish features behind-the-scenes stories about artisans, producers, farmers, growers, and other makers in America, along with delicious and wholesome recipes. The latest issue of Nourish and Flourish is a special artisanal gift guide showcasing some of America's finest products, including everything from the farm and garden to eco-friendly home goods, kitchen and cooking essentials, bath and body, original art, blown glass, seasonal recipes, and so much more. Shop online to support local and buy local. Together, we can make a difference. Learn more at nourishandflourish.site. Hi, we're back, and I'm speaking with Elizabeth Minkeely, a food writer and travel writer and tour guide, a culinary tour guide. I guess what would you call yourself, Elizabeth, a culinary tour guide? I have a, a tour company. So a tour company. I, okay. So just a travel. I own a tour travel company. company. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
But you do, but you did, you've always focused on the food, which of course you're in Italy. What else do you focus on? Well, you know, I was, I was originally an art historian and I wrote a long time about design and architecture. So I bring that, I bring that to the table as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. for the last say 12 years, I've focused mostly on food. Sure. You see all the statues and you got to eat, you know, you get hungry. hungry. (laughs) (laughs) And the gardens and the gardens. You wrote beautiful garden books too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you and Sophie, your your daughter is just she's doing a bang of business on her own. I mean she's <laughs> she's really grown into the business with you. It's wonderful to see. Oh, yeah. Um, tell me, um, let's say you take a group. How you know describe? First of all, people have to understand these towns that we were talking about. I you know if you've seen pictures, photographs in magazines, or if you've been fortunate enough to travel there, the towns you know the towns there are these rock usually stone-built towns and all encompassed around, you know, within walls and you walk through the winding paths. And um, that's, by and large, how many of them are. Not all that way, but many of them, right? I would say a good percentage of them are like that. Right, And and, and we, and, you know, for instance, we, um, I can tell you, you, we were talking a bit bit about the cuisine and how we approach food in our tour. And, um, and for me, I, I mean, for instance, I'll talk about our Umbria tour and, uh, you know, our tours are six days long and each day we visit usually another small town and, um, and food is the focus, but that's only a way to put culture in context. And mm-hmm. so while we're talking about food and we're obviously eating and drinking, you know, it's not just, it's not just, it's never just about the food. It's about, you know, the, the plates. So we, we'll visit ceramic makers. It's about the tablecloth. So we'll visit, you know, people who are working on still on looming or, or artisans. Um, we'll also visit people who are actually making the food. So cheese makers. And, um, and so we're able to, discover and you know we we do go to you know churches and look at the art we look we we have walks around and talk about architecture because food doesn't exist in a vacuum and i think that the main focus that our tours are although they're culinary tours and we do cooking lessons and and cooking demonstrations and we visit wineries it's always a way into the culture that gets you there in in a really fun way and a deeper way yeah, I think that's um, that makes so much sense. I mean, it, it's um, the as you said, you know, f- it puts culture in context, and so often in culinary history, that's what it is. That's how we learn about everyone has to eat, and they all have you know their foods, and that's so so true that that puts all the you know the culture that we're trying to get to. Best way to learn about people is through their food. Often, you know. So, so how large? How large are the groups that you usually um, have? Anywhere from eight to twelve people, depending on. Yeah, Yeah, depend. Twelve is usually the most. Sometimes in Puglia, I've done tours that are larger, but that usually is when we're staying at like a masseria, which is a kind of farmhouse down in Puglia, and we stay in one place. And and I did a tour uh, last. Was it last year with Elizabeth Gilbert? And mm-hmm. I think I think we were about twenty people for that tour. It was a bit bigger, yeah. and yeah. Um, but we, you know, and I'm doing one with um, Melissa Clark uh, in September, and mm-hmm. that one is in Puglia too, and that'll be a little bit bigger. But usually we try and keep them under certainly under eighteen people, even when the, the big tour would be eighteen, but our most common tours are eight to twelve. Right, and you have an opportunity. Do you ever do you have cooking classes with them as well? Don't you? We do. And I usually, um, I usually at least uh, once or twice a year 
collaborate with somebody who's either a chef or a cookbook author. So I'm, I'm working with Melissa Clark. We're doing the Abruzzo tour. Evan Kleiman is coming with us. Mm-hmm. And so Evan will, Evan's a cookbook author. She also has a radio show, Good Food, KCRW, Good Food. KCRW, and so right. Yeah. And so she's going to be doing some cooking classes along with the ladies from the town. And, and um, so we always do, um, you know, cooking classes, cooking demonstrations. Usually right. sometimes they're in a restaurant. Sometimes they're in the kitchens of people's homes. We're doing a, a tour uh, next November with, um, with pasta grannies, you know, pasta grannies. Vicky yes, Benison. of course. Yes, so Vicky's Vicky, been on our, she's been on the show. Right. Yeah, so Vicky and I are doing a tour together in November and that's uh, focusing on the culture of pasta grannies <laughs> around Parma. And, um, <laughs> and so I really love collaborating with people like that who mm-hmm. do things that sim- similar to me, either write or, you know, have radio shows or, um, and exploring that side of, uh, of, you know, they bring in something new. To the to the experience as well, right, right. Certainly, when they they know the the area, um, well, we can only hope that this will be open and 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 go through. I mean, I know that a lot of your upcoming the spring events are sold out. They um, are. They are. Yeah, which is wonderful. Well, no, I have I have I have room in the spring events. Actually, the ones oh. in the fall, or I have rooms in in May and June, or I still have places open okay. and. You know, I sent out my newsletter yesterday. Everybody should yeah. uh, um, subscribe to my newsletter, and you'll get first dibs <laughs> at all the tours. And um, I got a lot of Elizabeth ElizabethMinkeely dot com. Yes, and I'm on Instagram eminkeely minchili. That's how it's spelled. Minchili is yes, exactly with two L's. Remember that. Yeah, minchili and eminchili, and yeah. So we're no, we have some spaces next year. And oh, obviously, good. a lot okay. of a lot of our tours um, were moved from last year to to the coming year, and mm-hmm. um, and so they got filled. But I added a I added I added a tour in July, which is a season I usually don't do food tours, <laughs> but right. we decided to add one because there was so much request, you know, for people wanting to 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 move their tours. So we're doing a special summer edition of our Puglia tour, which should be fantastic because, you know, usually the other, besides going off the beaten track, we usually go off the beaten season. (laughs) And so our tours tend to be either in the spring or the fall or even in the winter. And uh, we usually avoid the summer just because it's a little bit more crowded, but uh, we decided we'd make an exception for Puglia in the summer because we really wanted to explore fish and the sea and, and, and do that. So we're doing that in July, which should be really fun. And Abruzzo, I think of I, um, my husband's uh, paternal relatives came from uh, Abruzzo, mm-hmm. and we went there to visit many, 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 many years ago, um, and stayed. And well, unfortunately, we have not been back in all our trips to Italy, but uh, we stayed there with them, and and it was quite an experience because little had changed. Um, for the better and, and sometimes for depending on which family for the worse um but the food was so memorable everything the was food, just the food of abruzzo is just so good and i think it's because it's i mean it's always you know we always try and find local food but the food from there mm-hmm. somehow it's i don't know a lot most people when i when we go there they just say we've never eaten anything like this and and it's hmm. true. It's it's, yeah. it's very very different from if you're used to coming to Italy and going to Tuscany or Rome or even the South. Abruzzo is very different. That's right. And, and I remember we left and we had to eat. It was around Easter time, so of course there were two sides of the family 
his father, his um, paternal grandmother and grandfather that came from two different you know, homes nearby, uh-huh. but we had to eat Christmas, uh, I mean, Easter lunch at both homes because we didn't <laughs> want to offend anyone. Right. It was, if you think it's the most wonderful thing in the world, well, it was, it was wonderful, but boy, we paid for it. By the time the you got to that third lamb. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And one of the, and, and the food at one of the homes was still cooked over an open fireplace. I mean, be, period. You know, that was it. You know, waiting for the water to boil in the open fireplace for the pasta, yeah. you know, for the a la quitada pasta. So many wonderful things, and generous people too. I, I'm sure you must find this in your in your trips and your tours that the people are so so open and so generous. Yeah, and you know, I've actually met during this time of you know being at home and being so active on social media. Um, I've actually met a lot of people through, say, Instagram, you know, that are there, younger people. And that's really Mm -hmm. the great thing, too, is that we're meeting, you know, you mentioned my daughter, Sophie, who's, you know, 30 years old, and she's, you know, very involved in the food scene here. And there's so many people of her age that are now uh, sort of, um, it's coming naturally to them to do a type of regenerative tourism. So it's not that they're going backwards. It's that what they're creating from the ground up is something that, you know, very much speaks to us. And so there's a lot of people as soon as we can travel that, you know, we'd like to go. And Sophie's actually, I think this weekend going to Molise, which is a region oh, most people have never even heard of. That's right. It's even yeah. more isolated than, than Abruzzo. But but since for, for the weird reasons of, of Italy at the moment, the lockdown rules allow her to go travel there next weekend. So so she's going to go there with a friend and she's, you know, there's so many amazing, you know, producers of, of, of food and so many of them are so young. So maybe yeah. that will be our next our next destination. For now, that's regenerative too. Yes, indeed. <laughs> for sure. And it is, I mean, cities are great. That's not to abandon the cities, but yes, as you said, it, it's, it's not sustainable. And we, we know there are tons of crowds there. So you go and you, you know, you see your sites and, and then escape to the the outer boroughs, if you will. <laughs> are, no, I mean, yeah, cities, obviously, there, you, right. should go to, you should go to the cities. And I, I, I encourage people to go to the cities, but I don't think they need me holding their hand in the cities. Right. You know? All right. That's right. Well, Elizabeth, it's it's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I oh, miss too, sitting and, I hope, and having a glass of wine together. We have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> soon. I hope we can do that soon. Yeah. Hope yes. Here. Yes, absolutely. And um, I encourage people to to read about these regenerative tourism plans that people have all over, well, actually all over the world, but um, and to certainly check out Elizabeth Minkeely's website. And that, again, is Elizabeth Minkeely, M-I-N-C-H-I-L-L-I, as she said, Minchili. And, right. <laughs> uh, dot com and um, and check out those tours. And There's also, so and also many lots, on, lots on Instagram. We've been doing a lot of videos. Yes, on yes. Lately too. Yeah, you are you are all over the place on Instagram. It's great. E <laughs> Minkeely. Yes. Um, and I just I think your work is terrific, and I think you're doing Italy a great service. And I encourage people to to check it out. And yeah, thank you. And I look forward to seeing you soon. And I'm you glad could. that. You could. I'm glad you could join me today by phone, by phone, Thank by computer, you. by whatever, whatever Thank this whatever, you know, whatever electronic method. <laughs> right, right. We're still going, right, <laughs> again. And so thanks, Elizabeth, and thank you for tuning in and listening. This, once again, has been 
A Taste of the Past. A Taste of the Past is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.